Welcome to Texts After Midnight with Q and Jewish Dave. Yo. You up? Yo. Do you think Snoop Dogg is broke? Nah, no way. Right? He can't be. He would have to be so stupid to be broke. I have faith in him. He could do it. Because he's on all these stupid TV shows and game shows. Why would he be doing that shit? Because he's getting paid to do them. You don't see Nas doing that shit. It's sad to see him doing it. 25 years ago he was telling everyone to kill cops. Now he's fingering Martha Stewart on the Food Network. Or maybe he lives paycheck to paycheck. They're just big paychecks. Exactly. He's paycheck to paycheck. Like he gets half a million dollars to be in a Will Ferrell movie, and before the check clears it's already spent on a pool filled with root beer or something. 23 minutes later. Do you think he'd do the podcast? Yes. How much would he ask for? 17 minutes later. Just answer me one question. And I want you to think very carefully and be honest. Are there actually, in reality, any quote-unquote Snoop Dogg fans? Do those exist? Honestly, yes. 100%. I don't get it. But yes. I don't buy it. There are probably people who like his last 15 years of music more than Dogger style. Shut up. Bullshit. Also bullshit that he's made music in the last 15 years. I don't believe that. Who would listen to that? Weird white guys who love hip-hop. I also suppose weird black guys who love hip-hop. I feel like if he has fans they're like housewives or little kids. And they only know him from cartoons. That's exactly right though. He's got a weird varied group of fans. And I'm not 100% sure his fans actually like his music. But they listen to it anyway. Nine minutes later. I just can't imagine people out there waiting for Snoop Dogg's next big thing. I feel like this is a psyop. I feel like you're asking the wrong person. Jewish Dave has left this conversation. You're part of the PSYOP. You know what? We like party. We like party. We like party. We don't cause trouble. We don't mama nobody. Hey, young world. The world is yours. Hey, young world. The world is yours. Young world, young world. The world is yours. Young world. The world is yours. As I look around, I see so many millionaires with skin like mine. Don't pretend like I'm with that bullshit your president been tweeting. Them black wow. boys is balling out the hood. That, that turned out pretty good. I, I like that. That was a really good idea. It's got to be a recurring thing. I like it. <laughs>
I, I like that I got the British uh, computer. You got the rules. British guy, yeah. <laughs> I mean, clearly you're more refined and yes. more of like a special boy. I am fancy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And so, wow, that song was that song was pretty terrible. I it was. Gotta, I gotta say, ti- it was. That's the title track off of the album of his. That apparently, I didn't know this when we were having that text message conversation. Like, just came out two days ago, or a few days ago. and that song, So you were texting me about Snoop Dogg for no reason? For no reason. <laughs> no, well, not for no reason. I had seen some ridiculous commercial where it's like, it's a new game show he's on or something. I don't know. And that's what made me, sure. that's what made me text you. Um, so is the album just to sell the game show? No, the album is called M-A-C-A, Make America Crip Again. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw... Uh, one of my Republican friends post a picture of the album cover fixed, <laughs> and instead it's Snoop Dogg that's dead, and Trump is, you know, the the one looking like a oh, badass. Good. Thank God. Yeah. Somebody's doing good work out there. Yeah, Somebody's doing wonderful. the important stuff out there, the, the, the uh-huh. important meme work that needs to be done. Oh, yeah. So this is Bird Road. We're back for episode number four. We hope you enjoyed the um, Halloween uh, spooktacular. Extravaganza. Extravaganza. <laughs> pretty much universal agreement that it was way too long it was almost almost two hours virtually everyone in my life was angry at me for making them listen to it i'm not even a third through so far (laughs) my little 20 minute drives where i listen to podcasts i I haven't listened to a single episode of any of the shows that i usually listen to because i'm still working on that episode oh my god um yeah so but we did get good news last week we're on mm-hmm. um, we're on iTunes. We're officially oh, in the yeah. iTunes store. So if you're if you're listening, you need to uh, download us and review us and play us and play and just set us to play through the night over and over on repeat. I don't know if that helps. It can't hurt. So just do it. Um, we're also still on SoundCloud. Uh, we're on Google Play, and um, if you're like, basically on any podcast app too, I think because. I get us through, uh, uh, what's it called, Pocket Casts, which yeah. you didn't specifically put us on, but I think no. once it goes on one of those, it gets fed to everything else. So we're on pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Twitter, oh, yeah. at Bird Road Podcast on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Bird Road Podcast. We're working on a website, uh, and we really kind of need to start pushing people to, to download this thing more. Because yeah, I think I think I I originally said we should wait till we get five episodes. You were out the gate on episode number one, so I think episode number four is a good place for us to start really promoting. You know, I'm gonna start promoting on my personal networks, and I'm gonna start promoting on LinkedIn because I'll tell you Ooh. what, those are the people that are all about the business. You're not gonna reach me, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, you were in, uh, I don't know. I don't even know where you were, like Mount Zion or something like that. It hidden away, ensconced. I, I, I was in, I was in Death Valley. <clears throat> I was I was holding down the fort on Twitter, keeping shit live, and starting our first Twitter beef with the first fucking dipshit who was stupid enough to to start shit with us. Um, and it's a pretty good one. <laughs> I can't wait to hear about this. I had no signal, so I I don't even know about the beef. Uh, this is gonna be the I'm, this is gonna be the first I've heard of it. All I'm gonna so say I'm is this, it started out just between the two of us, and this uh-huh. person this person had to had to bring in the podcast, had to bring in Bird Road. So um, you know what? <laughs> Fucking about to see these hands. <laughs> you gonna slap fire at him? I'm gonna slap fire at him. 
So this is a pretty good beef. It's um, Commentary Magazine, which is like the venerable 500-year-old neocon rag. Uh, it's uh, Specifically, our beef is with its little punk-ass editor-in-chief, um, uh, John Podoritz. Um, it all started over the weekend after a couple of these news sites. Uh, I don't, did you hear about this? Gothamist and DNA Info. They, uh, there are a couple of New York news sites. They got shut down by their billionaire owner because, um, basically, because they tried to to unionize. Did you hear hear about this story? No, I didn't. Did you hear about this one? Hear about this? Yeah, hear about it. Hear about this. Um, <laughs> this guy, uh, Joe Ricketts. He was the founder of TD Ameritrade. Uh, Bird Road now with a hundred percent more accents. <laughs> <laughs> we got lots of accents. <laughs> Not as many as our not as many as our text message voice avatars. They've got a lot of accents going on. By the way, you should have heard this is an aside, but you should have heard um the choices that you have on a MacBook for uh-huh. for the voices that you can use. Those are the two most straight down the middle ones that I could find. The the rest were insanely hispanically racist. Like they were so racist, <laughs> these accents. I was like, this computer rolled off of a production line into a store and into my house with this <laughs> terrible like minstrel show on it. It was insane. It was so bad. I was like, these oh are the two God. best best accents I could find for men, and one of them is British. So <laughs> they're the only two that weren't distractingly awful. Um, <laughs> Anyway, back to my back to my rant. Um, okay. So there's this billionaire incubus named uh, Joe Ricketts, who was the founder of TD Ameritrade, like I said. Um, so made his money just foisting shitty mortgages onto the American people. Uh, billionaire worth crazy amount of money, enough to buy the Chicago uh, Cubs these days. Uh, he did that in 2009. He bought the Chicago Cubs in 2009. Um, so he shut down these two news sites and laid off a bunch of journalists because the workers there had voted to unionize. Um, so I think it's really important to understand that when these billionaires or really anybody buys a, a media outfit or like a platform for journalism, a news website, they aren't doing it to turn some big profit. There's no money in it. Everybody mm-hmm. knows this. There's no money in journalism. There's no money in informing people. They don't care. It's not a demand industry. Guys like Ricketts, they don't buy these sites to make money. They do it because of vanity or they want to further some sort of, sort of agenda. Um, they mostly, I think, want to influence conversations. They like the the cachet that comes with being a media mogul because it's way better than being a you know a mortgage lender because that's a shitty thing to be. It's not, nobody writes any any movies about mortgage lenders unless they're just doing terrible things and you know in the big short or something like that. Um, right. But this asshole bought some news outfit uh, just basically to stroke his ego. And then the, uh, the, the underpaid schmoes that were working there voted to unionize. He realized that he didn't really want that headache. So he just kind of uh, shut it down because he's a billionaire. He doesn't give a fuck. He'll just go do some other weird evil shit. Enter John fucking Pedoritz. All these assholes from sites like Commentary, and we talked about it before, the Federalists, uh, they're conservative, they're anti-union, anti-collective bargaining. Um, so they're railing on these reporters for not understanding how the free market works. Because these reporters are so stupid for voting to make an unprofitable venture less profitable and then complaining when the he shuts down the venture. So Pedoritz went on, on a little tweet rant. 
um, basically saying, my jur- my fellow journalists, you are crazy. A guy makes a, a guy loses major amounts of money on the organization you work for. Your response to make the cost of running the organization far higher than it is. If you do what you can to see that it will lose money, you have no grounds to complain when the person who's going to lose the money figures he's had enough and is getting out. Sorry, you did this to yourself. Okay, here's the thing about this guy. This tough-talking, like, self-made, free-market, right-wing hero. And he know this guy who knows all about how profits and losses work. I, I, I knew his name a little bit back when I worked at the Herald. I, I kind of had heard about him a little bit from some people who had worked with him. Uh, people who I trust who told me that this guy's like a straight up asshole. And boy, did he prove prove those people right. Um, for, if you don't know who he is, he's just one of these uh, bland, talentless hacks who sort of floats around on cable news, ends up on op-ed pages. He doesn't really say anything particularly interesting or insightful. Every once in a while, he'll make news by saying something like, uh, like the U.S. should have exterminated all Sunni men in Iraq, age 15 <laughs> to 35. And then people will talk about him for a few days and then forget about it. Um, right. He's someone super convinced of his own importance, but also kind of only relevant to a really small group. Um, the magazine he runs, Commentary Magazine, and this is the point that I'm getting to. It's like so many of these sort of neoconservative websites and these think tanks, it's it's a welfare program for hacks like him. Their model's not viable in the free market. It would never make money. Their circulation is 33000 No one goes on goes on their website. I went a little deeper, and uh, I pulled their 990 forms from Guide, GuideStar, and I just wanted to kind of look through their filings. Um, so this guy, John, our homie, is pulling in $394,000 a year in compensation. And mm. when you do the math, that's actually more than a dollar for every single issue that is printed of that magazine. 33,000 times 11 issues a year. That's obscene. That's disgusting. Anybody making a dollar for every one of their print pieces is vastly overpaid. Sure. But, okay, so, like, this guy has to be worth it. He must be doing some awesome, incredible journalism. Again, this magazine is only generating a few dollars in revenue. $33,000, a circulation like that is nothing. Um, in the larger pundit sphere, I mean, like, you've probably never really heard of co- commentary. Only, like, a few people have. Um, I noticed on their 990 form that the vast majority of their revenue comes from donations and contributions. So they're they're set up as a 501c3, a nonprofit, like UNICEF for the Red Cross, except they the way that they like to help people is like pushing for wars that kill a bunch of Middle Easterners. Um, so he's one of the last guys who refuses to admit that the Iraq war was a mistake. Like pretty much everybody has backpedaled that one at this point. And he's like one of the last guys who's like, no, no, it was good. We, we did exactly what we wanted to do. <laughs> so I looked into this guy a little bit more and I found out that he basically inherited this magazine from his dad, Norman, who was just as much of a, unapologetic, you know, Warhawk goblin as John, but he was just a little bit more talented and ambitious, so he started his own magazine. Um, Here's the thing about the shit that this guy was saying. If Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or, like, Lee Iacocca were making that criticism, fine. You know, those guys, they've made things. They've competed in the market. Even if, like, a journalist or a pundit who spent their career worried about getting fired or getting laid off or you know, having to fight the dwindling ad revenue and the, the the race to the bottom that news has become working in a newsroom, the real slog of it, working in a real for-profit newsroom. If they have that criticism, you know, okay, fine. But for this motherfucker, 
working at this failure magazine that only gets read by Mr. Burns and, like, the Monopoly Man <laughs> and other, like, monocle-wearing people. Whoever the 33,000 people left in the world that still wear monocles is what their sure. subscription base is. <laughs> I need For, to get a monocle, though. I, I think it would look good. I feel like you oh. would do well with a monocle and a cane. <laughs> you got a walking cane. <laughs> I'd love a cane. I mean, that would be great. <laughs> so... This is a kind of person, almost like Donald Trump, actually a lot like Donald Trump. He's never actually been in jeopardy of being unemployed. He's right, never exactly. he's never yeah. had any problem like like that uh, he, because he doesn't exist in the same world as these people who are working in the newsrooms of these two magazines or these two news sites. Um, his daddy gifted him basically a neoconservative slush fund that's disguised as a magazine. And then he goes on to use that tax designation of nonprofit and he makes it seem nobler than it really is. So I took a little shot at him. I said... According to your 990s, your publication's pro- uh, nonprofit shell relies overwhelmingly on contributions. Who makes those contributions? Because, by the way, they're fucking secret. So you don't know who's making the contributions to, to fund commentary. But it's pretty easy to tell when you read them. Um, I also pointed out, like, how much money he makes. He didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he responded. Uh, some of his, um, his, his fans also tried to compare. Because they saw that, like, I, I had done work at NPR. So they try to compare NPR to commentary. They're like, do you know every donor at NPR? And I was like, I know that, you know, the uh, the Koch brothers aren't funding half of it. I know that. Um, so he tried to kind of t- turn the conversation into this thing about commentary not being the same, his magazine not being the same model as Gothamist and DNA Info. He tried to make it where I was saying that this guy Ricketts, Joe Ricketts, uh, doesn't has, have the right as a business owner to shut down something that he wants to shut down. Which was never my point. That's not what I was trying to say. And he got all huffy and snippy, asking me like what my point actually was. So I took my time. I wrote it all down. And I posted it in, re- in his replies. I don't want to read it all. But basically the, the highlights were, I said, commentaries funded by interests who seek to influence a specific group of conservatives to think a specific way about specific issues. Neocon pro-business. I'm not surprised you jumped to Ricketts defense because you love the free market despite never competing in it. So I'm not saying Ricketts doesn't have the right to be a piece of shit who gets kicked, who gets sick of his pet uh, vanity venture when it isn't working out. I'm also not saying commentary's mullet is invalid, although you, got, you guys sure do execute it poorly. I'm criticizing you, John, who from a perch of privilege running what amounts to a welfare make-work program you inherited, criticizes the career choices of journalists, of which you are not. That's the point. And you can dispense with the snippy tone. I'm not some Yale econ legacy trying to find a spot for a shitty byline. I post my shitty bylines on Medium like a normal person. So, <laughs> wow, did that touch a nerve? Um, he oh, went off. Okay. <laughs> he went off into a little flurry, basically saying, "I criticize you for being a know nothing ass." Oh, <laughs> oh. <my. laughs> uh, right away with the ad hominem attacks. <laughs> oh, uh, I've worked as a journalist for 35 years at seven magazines. Let me just say something here. You can work at a lot of magazines and newspapers and not be a journalist. It's sure. <laughs> it's very easy to sit down and crank out column inches that don't pass the fucking smell test of journalism. And that's what this guy has been doing most of his career. Mm. Um, and written for dozens more, you ludicrous know-nothing clown. <laughs> Again, with the know-nothing 
Uh, I've attempted to. That's, ama- that's amazing that you were called a know nothing clown. I know. Uh, I would say. I would call you. I would call you a lot of things, but I don't know if I would call you a know nothing well, clown. I know. I, think, I know. I know something. I think you know. You know a few things. Yeah, and you're a clown, <laughs> but you know a few things. So I've attempted to educate you in rhyme difference between for-profit and non-profit publications. You respond like an unlettered fool. You publish in medium because no one will publish you, no doubt, you fifth-rate jerk. And his last message, <laughs> his last message, wait, you got to wait. This is this is the best one. I told you, there's a reason I did this, because there's a great payoff. Now be off with you, unless you want to compare, <laughs> unless you want to compare. He said, who the fuck says be off with you? And he's, <laughs> he says, now be off with you, unless you want to compare relative podcast audiences. Barista. Oh. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Oh, no. <laughs> he got me, Burn man. What can I say? And he called me a barista. At the a barista. <laughs> and he has a point. I got to tell, tell you, he's got a point. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you haven't shared it with everyone you know, you're not doing your job. If you don't mm. go right now and rate the podcast and share it and re- and also rate and review John's podcast commentary go <laughs> commentary podcast that's fucking literally the name of it that was the extent of their creativity for their podcast the guy has the oh. name Pod in his last name and he didn't <laughs> couldn't come up with a better name than commentary <laughs> podcast I could have come up with so many ideas for him um, <laughs> but look if this it, it come on. You know that that's not a good podcast. You know that that's just like two jagoffs like sitting around jerking. I each can't other imagine. I, I think it would be amazing if our fans, whoever they are at this point, would go <laughs> leave some bad reviews. But but not just not not just bad reviews. No, but... listen to it and then give a bad review. Live, listen to well, it. Sure, and... sure. Actually, you know what? I don't even have to color your. I don't even have to color you your opinion that much. Just listen to it and then give it the review it deserves. Sure. Just give but... it authentically the the review that it deserves authentic reviews that it deserves but written in that kind of a tongue with, with, with like be off with you <laughs> be you off peasants. with this podcast <laughs> you know, all, all that kind of stuff that would be hilarious if the reviews were flooded with stuff yeah. like that like a, again like a like a like a 19th century robber baron yeah yeah <laughs> like you worked in tammany hall <laughs> like speak like that <laughs> this podcast won't do at all <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is that um, <laughs> if, he, if if that podcast by a week from now doesn't have a lower rating than us, then the John Padoritzes of the world have won. Oh and man, that's it. pressure's on you, like five people who listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is so funny. I love it. I just love it. <laughs> I, I think it's a great uh, a great um, a great way to start our beef, right? Sure. Well, a great milestone for our show. I, I think it's awesome. I think it's truly uh, really awesome. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so that was my rant. That's the end of it. I did listen to part of his podcast. I went like fucking 10 minutes back. Awful. It was boring as shit. Oh my God. Um, and by the way, I just want to point out again, I didn't challenge any of the merit of what I said. When I called him a product of nepotism, he didn't challenge that. So this is so picking up on our B block. This is the section where I this is the part of the show where I get to say that I can tell the future, that I know what's coming at any given moment. Because what were we talking about last week? Whether or not it's worth it, shoehorned between our conversations about a million fucking horror movies, whether or not it's worth it to actually be a Democrat. And then what fucking happens? Two days later, Donna mm-hmm. Brazil comes out with the hottest book of the year, the hottest excerpt excerpt of a book of the right. year. Should the Clintons just be excised from the party like are they do they need to be part of the national conversation anymore can it just be that they're gone can they just be gone i mean what what, what do we lose i i think a lot of people joked about that right after the election that like you know please just go away now like (laughs) like this is what it is and just please leave you know um but a lot of people don't share our opinion <laughs> on this uh, particular topic. Here. I'll never get it, man. I'll never get the people who are like anything that you say negative about Hillary is is about is it's really you being a um you know being a, a misogynist or something like that. You can't just not like her, um, <laughs> like on the merits of who she is. Right. Yeah. Or even not 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 like her. But just want something new, you know? Why that's such a bad thing, you know, to want something new and fresh and exciting that's going to actually, you know, invigorate, you know, the party and politics in general. But apparently that is a bad way to look at things for a lot of people. And I think, I, you know, I'm not sure the answers of how to reach those people, but those are the people who I believe need to be reached because I don't think anything is going to happen without them uh, somehow coming around to the idea of something exciting happening within the party. There's nothing exciting happening in the party now. I mean, like, <laughs> unless you count, uh, I mean, unless you count just like backbiting and snipey bitchiness and like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's a downer, dude. It's a downer. <laughs> How about this one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the rumor, rumor that um, that Bill Clinton is now feeling out a run for New York governor. <laughs> Come on, man! Can't we had enough? Like, can't we just have enough? 
You read the whole thing, right? What do you mean? <laughs> what thing did I read? I don't want to out you on here, but Michael Ian Black wrote that. Really? That's where I, that's where I read it from? Uh-huh. He oh, wrote God. that, and at the, the very last sentence, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't I wrote it. Yeah, pe- people, just, people were it. sharing that's it. Not, Oh, that's great. People were sharing it. The very last sentence is, I wrote this just to see how... I wrote this in four minutes to see how easy it would be to make fake news. What did he do with the other three and a half minutes? <laughs> like, it should... I know. It's like, it's like it's like six lines long, but... <laughs> um, no, yeah. That's, that's that easy. I don't... I, I uh, don't consider him a news source, but I consider... Right, but I mean... I consider it, it probably him... was shared enough that someone you follow shared it, you I know? Consider, I consider him a hero. Of course, yeah, <laughs> he's the best. <laughs> he had the the two greatest words ever said or uttered in a um in a in a in a sketch comedy, which were the words, "Goodbye mailbox." <laughs> Goodbye mailbox. Bye bye. When he like leans in really close to uh, to the mailman, and he's like, "Listen." Well, don't tell me you're having a problem with the tacos, huh? Jake. I love the tacos, okay? They, they're maybe the best tacos I've ever had. It's just that, well, I think if I had to choose between the tacos and the mail, I'd have to choose the mail. You know what? If he says that Bill Clinton is running for governor, I believe it. You know what, though? Actually, about that, that point is what a perfect fake news bit to make as a joke like it's not too far-fetched but it's kind of ridiculous you know what i mean it's like it's such yeah, a yeah. perfect it's, no it's right there in the sweet spot and yeah. then to say like the other cool thing would be okay we have a really good one down here okay so the headline is pretty innocuous god i feel like i feel like i'm like so close to, to just spreading fake news and i kind of just want to do it all right this is um <laughs> this is from the this is from uh, Jackie Charles, who's an incredible reporter over at the Herald, at the Miami Herald. Former Haiti government official shoots himself in the head in Miami area hotel. Klaus Eberwein, a former Haitian government official, was found dead Tuesday in South Day- in a South Dade motel room in what the Miami Dade Medical Examiner's Office is ruling a suicide. He shot himself in the head, said Veronica Lamar, Miami Dade uh, Medical Examiner Record Supervisor. She listed his time of death, twelve nineteen p.m. Um, so this guy was living in a quality inn uh, over in kind of a, like, not a great part of town. Uh, not not like a horrible place, but just not not a great part of town. And it was a quality inn. Come on. Like, where are you at? You're, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're in a quality inn. Um, he was a supporter of uh, the former president, Haitian president, uh, Michel Martelli. And uh, he served as a director general for the government's economic development agency, um, uh, FAES. He held the position from May 2012 until February 2015. Here's where we get to the good part. Uh, he was scheduled to appear Tuesday before the Haitian Senate's Ethics and Anti-Corruption Commission. The head of the commission, Senator Evalier Bouplan, confirmed. Now, the commission is investigating the management of Petro-Caribe funds, the money Haiti receives from Venezuela's discounted oil program. So, what did that story turn into? This guy apparently is being like floated as somebody who was like another 
in the millions of people that Hillary Clinton has had killed. Because what there's what they say Oh, W N D. That's you don't know that one. That's a really deep, deep right wing cut that like most normal people who see the sunlight during the day don't know about that website. Um so here's where that here's what that story turns into. Klaus Eberwein, a former Haitian uh, government official, was expected to testify against alleged Clinton Foundation corruption and malpractice next week, has been found dead in Miami via gunshot wound to the head. You hear how that's a different story? <laughs> Do you hear the difference in those two stories? Again, you know what? I I, I got to tell you something. I I sort of blanked out what you were reading because I I, I can't handle it. <laughs> I just, when I hear something that, that stupid, I, it's just so hard to, for that split second, my brain just shut off. <laughs> it's just so stupid. And again, I don't know, like, even if some of this, like, were the thread, a lot of it sounds like there's a thread of truth that runs through the middle of it. Um, sure. Like, uh, he was, okay, so this is correct. They say this WND story, which was, like, Shot for shot, this is something. This this story, the the way it's listed out here, is kind of the way that it that it made the way around the internet. Um, he was due to appear next Tuesday before the Haitian Senate Ethics and Anti Corruption Commission, where he was widely expected. Here it is, the little you know, fake news jab, where he was widely expected to testify that the Clinton Foundation misappropriated Haiti earthquake donations from international donors. So, I feel like there's a thread of truth there, but. What do you mean by widely testified? Who are the people that are saying that? According to they say, according to to the man who's now dead, a paltry zero point six percent of donations granted by international donors to the Clinton Foundation, with the express purpose of directly assisting Haitians, actually ended up in the hands of Haitian organizations. Nine point six percent ended up with the Haitian government. The rema- remaining eighty nine point eight percent, or five point four billion. Were funneled uh, was funneled to non-Haitian organizations. Now, that sentence has so much flex to it, and it can mean <laughs> so many things. So if I used nine, if I used five, if I used eighty-nine point eight percent of that fund to buy um, uh, resources not on the island, like to purchase building resources and construction equipment. Um, you know, cement, like rebar, things like that, that are not, that were not on the island. Does that count as a non-Haitian organization? Is that bad? Or is it just, I think what they want us to think is that Hillary Clinton just threw this money in her pocket and just walked away. I mean, fucking maybe she did. I doubt it though. I'd never got the impression that she had $5.4 billion to her name. Um, Like, I feel like she could have pulled a few more levers if, if she had that kind of fucking scratch um the clinton foundation they are criminals they are thieves they are liars they are a disgrace uh Aberwein said at a protest outside the clinton foundation's headquarters in manhattan last year this is uncorroborated like i don't know where where is that coming from this is not a real it- news site these people weren't there and they have demonstrably false things all over their website but i still feel like there's like this grain of truth in there somewhere uh it's it's ridiculous i mean i think i think what you're what you're saying here is honorable but i think there there is just nothing it's just a, a problem that is probably 
if not the biggest, it's one of the biggest problems in the world right now. And it's wait, wait, who, what? Hil- Hil- Hillary's body count. Hillary's body count, of course, is what I'm talking about. Here. <laughs> but fake news is it's insanely easy and insanely far reaching. And uh, it doesn't seem to show any signs of slowing down. And uh, the accountability is uh, pretty much zero <laughs> at this point. This is an important enough piece of fake news that it got us Snopes. The quote was bullshit. <laughs> it wasn't. It was actually spoken by somebody else. This gets so deep. It's insane. Look, I'm yeah. going to save everybody just hours and hours and hours of time. This is a pretty well-rebutted um, Snopes. I know. Now we're not supposed to believe Snopes, right? Because they're like, right, that's, Snopes yeah. is liberal. Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, everybody Soros that's liberal. Owns, yeah, yeah, Soros, Soros owns Snopes. Owns, uh, that's why it, it that's, shares that's a tongue, three letters. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> well, yeah, that's on purpose. Soros, Soros owns Snopes. Soros owns Snopes. Soros owns Snopes. Soros owns Snopes. I can do that shit, man. Hey, on a, on a total on a total aside, right now, uh, how exhausted are you from the uh, Antifa uh, attacks on November fourth? Well, I was in the attacks, so I was. You're, you're, I'm extra tired. I got a lot of yeah. good, I got a lot of good core work in swinging a melee yeah. weapon. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I was. How, how how many conservatives did you take out? Oh, I killed like ten small business owners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the last one. I had were they my, all Christians? Yeah, they were mostly Christians. Some, <laughs> some were, some were like Presbyterians, which I don't count. But <laughs> um, I like I, the last one had um, like I had my I had I had like taken them to the ground and, and gained the upper hand, and I had my mallet over my head, and I was about to to to, to bring it down on his skull, and he just like raised his hand up at me and was like. Don't do this. I have kids. And it, it gave me a pause. And so I stopped. And then he like flicked his wrist back and a fucking gun came out of his. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah. And he was like right there, like ready to fucking blast me. And I just got lucky. He shot me and hit my cell phone in my pocket. Oh, and wow. So this, this, was, it, was it an iPhone 10? It was an iPhone 10. So there's a thousand dollars down the fucking drain. And all he shit. had on him was like 30 bucks because those guys. Small business owners are overtaxed. They don't. There you, you go. Know, there you go. Assault. By the way, it. by the way, for transparency's sake, George Soros does fund this podcast, right? Yes, George Soros does fund this podcast. <laughs> He's really got to tell you, really upset with what his money's getting him. He's not happy at all on our weekly calls. He's like, yeah. "What are the download numbers? What?" <laughs> and I paid how much for that episode? <laughs> We're going to have to do something with all these open jars of caviar that we have oh, sitting shit. around. Um, well, we got to do what we got to do. No, you do. Oh, yeah, it's true. Um, so, well, dude, I don't know. It's a little tiring to talk about politics this week. It's I just know. I'm swinging it all back to the, to, the, to the DNC. Tomorrow, there's key gubernatorial races in New Jersey, Virginia, key yeah. races uh, locally. Again, the Democratic Party has given up uh, during the um, Obama era, giving given up a thousand seats nationwide from local, state, federal levels. Um, 
including the the two seats that that they lost last November, exactly a year ago, uh, and exactly a year after that ignominious day that um, that we were all wrong, except for Bill Mitchell, <laughs> we were all wrong that uh, that that uh, that Hillary did not become the next the, the next president. What is Tom Perez, the chairman for the DNC, doing? tomorrow during the the first big election day nationwide since his party got its ass handed to it a year ago he's going to be on public radio talking about the dnc scandal that's what his schedule is for tomorrow that's what a winning strategy looks like election day talking about why people should stay in the party and shouldn't be disheartened crestfallen reluctant to you know show up to to vote for people who uh who who basically bankrupted the shit out of everything and lost all of the all of the money lost all of the equity and all of the momentum that obama and the whole hope and change in 2008 had built up right all of that incredible operation just down the tubes and now just wallowing in in acrimony fucking Um, downer what uh, <laughs> what 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 did you do this week? Why don't you why don't you why don't you fucking uh, why don't you do something for once? Why don't you fucking get off your ass and tell me about anything? <laughs> fucking make me feel better, dude. <laughs> I'm so exhausted. I didn't get to well, talk to you all weekend. You were gone. I you were know. like out of I town, know. out of touch. Uh, no, I know. I, had, I came up with this incredible text after midnight idea and i couldn't even like workshop it with hey, you kudos you did great it was awesome it was beautiful i loved it no i was i was out uh at gina's uncle's ranch which is uh uh like an hour past death valley uh we went out there visited family and then uh then went to uh tacopa hot springs this was all for gina's birthday we had no cell phone signal nobody had wi-fi and not a single business or hotel has wi-fi the only wi-fi is in the library uh <laughs> so i was completely cut off from the world um but it was awesome it was a great time what did you do and... with your like with your fingers because your fingers are constantly on your phone did you have a self-contained game that you could play at least to deal with your mania and all of your like uh, <laughs> you, you know stored up uh, energy reserves actually we walked around and found rocks all kinds of stones and stuff so that's what my little fingers were doing picking up and looking for really cool looking stones and carrying them around and stuff uh, for Gina's stone collection it was a fun nice. time yeah um, so no that was that was nice and it was cool being away from the cell phone signal uh actually my hate was gonna have a little something to do with that uh for this week if you want to oh that's jump a, to, that's a nice little jump transition. into our, our our loves and hates um I, I could transition into my hate really smoothly okay let's start uh, off with hate because you know okay let's fucking yeah we're do on this it. we're on this downer so let's end on the upper after but uh my hate was after being completely without cell phone for 24 hours uh, as soon as my signal resumed, uh, it was just nonstop thoughts and prayers for yet another mass shooting. <laughs> yeah, we should uh, say that we're recording this like I think about. So we're we're recording this about we should we should mention that we're recording this about thirty hours after uh, the uh, again another mass shooting. This one in um, Sutherland Springs, Texas, at a, at a church where um, uh, 
uh, 26 people were killed. Which, just Bumping. to be clear, is 30 hours, is that too soon to, to, uh, to yeah, speak? It's to? too soon to even say that it happened, I suppose. Like, yeah, okay. Um, well, let's check, do it anyway. Check again tomorrow. Yeah, this one, interestingly, uh, kind of the first mass shooting that penetrated my uh, consciousness as, I think, a 18 or 19-year-old kid who didn't really pay attention to stuff like that um, at the time. This one... What happened in Sutherland Springs yesterday for like the uh, the the fucking creepy people who keep up with these kind of statistics? This actually bumped Columbine out of the top ten deadliest shootings in um, in U.S. history. So that's insane. I didn't know that, and that, yeah. that is such a strange statistic for Columbine to not be one of the most deadly. I know anymore. <laughs> that's <laughs> fucking. Just, uh, it's God. insane. Those, yeah. two, those two little assholes are, I mean, if there's any silver lining, they're probably spinning in their, yeah. did they die? Yeah, they died in their graves. Yeah, good, I think so. Yeah. Fuck it. I mean, I don't even like goths. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. I was always one step removed from goth. I, I, I didn't want to wear the, wear the makeup, but I like the music. <laughs> <laughs> but you like to dress like, like, like you liked hip hop. <laughs> I was like, this is a very that. temporary phase for me that's going to be very influential <laughs> on my life oh. Oh, I'm going to dress like I like hip hop but eventually when I'm 20 I'm going to want girls to like me <laughs> I was telling my wife uh, today that there's something and I knock on wood whenever I say this because now I'll like Oh, you know, you speak it into existence and you don't want to do that. But um, there's something about Miami that is just for all of its craziness and madness. It is immune from these things. These things don't happen here. Like those, the mass shootings, just the terrorist attacks, the ones that are motivated either, you know, through bigotry and xenophobia or the ones that are motivated through terrorist ideologies and, and radical Islamic terrorism. They don't reach here the worst thing right. we had was the summer that i moved here in 2006 they set up some like poor black kids from from liberty city they set they basically set them up to be terrorists just to be able to arrest them but they all these they're just dumbasses like low-life criminals like they weren't adhering you, to any kind of to... ideology they just wanted to buy you know, they just wanted to like scam money off of these uh, FBI agents <laughs> that were. You used to say posing. that the only murder. You used to say that the only murders there were crimes of passion. Murders here are very much transactional. That's the thing. Yeah. They're like they're they're one of two things. They're either crimes of passion, or they're transactional. That's it's there's there's no ideological you know. Sure. Nothing nothing yeah. like that is happening or like mental illness doesn't manifest itself in the form of mass shootings in South Florida. Um right. Usually. Right. I mean, there are some exceptions like in Fort Lauderdale we had a um we had a shooter at the airport uh recently. Um but for the most part like in Miami, which is very specific and distinct from the rest of not just South Florida, the rest of the country. Miami is its own little uh, its own little chamber of weirdness and certain parts of Americana don't penetrate through the membrane um, which is like 
my long way of saying that you need to move to Miami already. I don't know why like, you're staying <laughs> in Vegas. It's ridiculous. It just seems very hot. Hot in a different way than Vegas, but hot. Um, I had wanted to talk a little bit, actually, now that you mention it, about um, like why we're focusing on Miami and Las Vegas. I think I've gotten a few questions about that. Like people saying, oh, you guys should talk to, you know, if you're going to be talking about sort of progressive politics and, and things like that, why don't you, you know, talk about X, Y, and Z city. Honestly, we're not there. We're in Miami. We're in Las Vegas. And we can talk about those things intelligently. I mean, I can ask Semi-intelligently. You, semi-intelligently. For my, for my point, yeah. True or false, based on your experience last year, in your opinion, the Democratic primary was rigged. True or false? True. And to give people a little bit of context, you were there... I think, right? You were there at one at those contentious, crazy caucuses and, and the fighting and the fake chair that never actually got thrown and all that shit. Absolutely, yeah. I was there for all of those hours of my life. <laughs> multiple, multiple, <laughs> long, 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 long hours. Um, and just watched as everything was 100% decided ahead of time. And there's no way anybody could tell me otherwise especially since I was there and witnessed all of that. The really insidious thing I think about, um, specifically about about Nevada, which was a battleground state like every which way. I mean, Clinton ended up taking it in the the general election. Bernie won it in the primary. And then Mm -hmm. somehow it got awarded to Clinton, right? Like some through some crazy... Inside intra-party gymnastics, they ended up saying, "Well, actually, it's it's Hillary." Like, I mean, do you, re- refresh my memory. How did that all go down? Do you do you remember? Well, I'm, I'm trying to remember myself because it's been a while. But I, if I remember correctly, it was it started off Hillary, and then it got switched to Bernie because of something that happened. But then they decided to just give it back to Hillary afterwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, there there was so there was so much weird shit, um, and, and I I remember that nothing really seemed to have any kind of a process whatsoever. There was just a whole lot of yelling and shouting, and uh, them telling you know the people that were there, the delegates and all, to you know do various things, but none of it really seemed to amount to anything that. Uh, would affect any kind of a decision in any way. It was it was all just uh, for show almost. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Bernie lost pretty badly here in Florida. Um, in the, uh, it, it's hard though because Florida is like one of those vote against your interests loss leader states where it's just everything that needs to be done in this state. It, the people who need it, this it's not. This is one of my pet peeves. People who are like, oh, well, they vote against their interests. They vote against their interests. Florida voted against its interests. And that's true. But it's not that it voted against its interests individually on a, on, a, on a person-by-person level. It's that the people who are most interested and who needed the most things didn't vote. Because it's goddamn impossible for them to. It's goddamn impossible to work sure. two yeah. or three part-time fast food jobs that all keep you under 25 hours a week because they don't want you to qualify for um, medical benefits and also show up in the middle of the week and vote. Or even, there's so many different ways to vote. There's so many different ways to participate. 
but for it to penetrate and get through to you to your life i think that yeah with this this is is one of the main uh issues i think affecting this country right now is is how hard they're making it for people to vote and how and how uh you know one side seems to want to make it harder and not only make it harder but to um you know, try to switch the focus around and try to make it as if what the issue is is completely the opposite in that it's, uh, you know, all this fake voting and shit that, uh, you know, Donald Trump is claiming, which is, uh, you know, just a gross distortion of the issue, I think. Yeah, it's it's that's the kind of thing that's, um, I think lawyers would call that sort of uh, dirtying the juror pool, right? Where you kind of throw a thing out there that gives people permission to have a you know to come to the table with a preconceived notion to have sure. heard that oh well three million mexicans in california voted uh, illegally which is fucking absurd if you've ever known right. an undocumented if you've ever known any undocumented people or people who have undocumented people in their families to think that they're showing up on a fucking uh, to, oh, yeah. to vote <laughs> by the way a candidate who also wasn't going to do anything for them. I mean, like, mm. Hillary Clinton wasn't going to do anything for the undocumented. Uh, so no. it's, it's not like this was some transformative, incredible candidate that was going to have people risking their residency to show three million of them en masse showing up. Um, but whatever, that's been talked to death. Everybody knows the absurdity of, of that. Even the people, I think, who support it and support Donald Trump in making those accusations it's not about the veracity of them. It's about the spirit behind them. It's about, sure. You know, yeah. like, but you know. that's his entire thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would like to hope anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, uh, okay. So what's your, what's your love then? What do you love? Okay. Uh, my love is you're going to probably hate this one, but I don't care, but, uh, it is pure, unadulterated, joyous, amazing fun. It is the new Super Mario Odyssey. Um, it is seriously one of the best games I've ever played. They Nintendo is truly um, just magic makers. <laughs> and I don't give a shit what you have to say. Uh, you play this game and I challenge you not to just have a big smile on your face while you're playing. Say something. Say something. You joyless fuck. I'm going to bring you. just got done watching this documentary. (laughs) The New York Times. Where they like put teens in jail for being on the internet and gaming too much. And I'm going to like somehow get you to Beijing with me on a 24 hour flight. And I'm and I'm gonna get you admitted into this hospital. <laughs> You're not even that much of a gamer. I'm just. Doing I'm it. not. I'm not. I'm yeah. just doing it out of spite. <laughs> just doing yeah. it out of pure raw like disdain. <laughs> I want you to play this game and tell me it's not the most fun you've had in forever. I wouldn't even if you told me that you need me to play a video game tomorrow. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I wouldn't even know. Are you kidding me? I was able, uh, while sitting through my daughter's ballet recital, I was able to pull fucking 990s in public records on this, like, fucking asshole uh, co- commentary bullshit fucking magazine and parse through the PDF on my phone and, like, 
you know, put together a pretty comprehensive dossier. I would have no fucking clue where to begin if you were like, oh, play this video game right now. Well, that's what that's what you do, do in I the need, game. Do I need a You're console? just Mario, and you do that. <laughs> just Mario. And you just pull, it, it's, you're just filing it's FOIA amazing. requests. You're just, like, submitting FOIA yeah. requests. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you get, you're, getting a, you're getting dirt on King Koopa. <laughs> it's, it's truly amazing. I but, saw somebody post it. Let me see if you would get this joke. I don't know. I don't know anything about Mario Brothers. Somebody posted a a thing that said, uh, "Why would everybody be at Bowser's wedding anyway?" <laughs> Does that mean something to you? He said, "No." It says like, "Why would all the villagers be at Bowser's wedding anyway?" Well, <laughs> spoiler alert. No, the the um, what does the it mean? Of, I don't even know what the it spoiler, means. The spoiler of this new game is that Bowser is forcing uh, Princess Peach into uh, a, a wedding with him. That's uh, she's what? To him. That's yeah, really I know. Problematic. It's, it's, the the game is pretty fucking bananas. It, it's crazy, and uh, yeah. So, so like, Princess Peach has become like oh, like human trafficked, like white slave. Yeah. Pretty much, God. yeah, and, and uh, Bowser wears like this white pimp suit. <laughs> There's just... a lot of things going on in this game that. Oh, like... it's weird. It's really weird. Yeah, <laughs> this is like Mario on you know I don't even know a DMT or some shit. Just yeah, it's the weirdest game ever. But what it's um so much fun. What console is it? What is the Nintendo console now? Like what is the oh, new God, Nintendo is... is called. Oh, just no. hear people go. like losing their shit in the fucking comments or whatever about me. Like, <laughs> who the fuck is he's trying so hard to act like he doesn't know gaming? I can tell by the fucking timber in his voice that this guy knows gaming. He sounds it's called, like a it's, gamer. It's called the Nintendo Switch, and uh, it's uh, it's their new system. And it's oh, you know what? A I big know fucking what this hit is. too. I know what this is. This is the thing where you can. Go from playing like um, a, a tablet to plugging it into the TV or something, right? Yes, yeah. And I, yeah, I how honestly, do you play it? how do you play it? I have only played it on the TV one time, and it was just to see that it works. I always play it portable. It's basically a new Game Boy for me, but a Game Boy that's you know a high end video game system. You know, if we could have only like progressed in lockstep with other areas of STEM since the era of Game Boy. Like, if we had progressed from Game Boy to Nintendo Switch in the field of medicine, we'd have cured death. Like, we wouldn't imagine even it, be dying anymore. Imagine if we didn't have to reboot our computers before we started recording this podcast. <laughs> imagine if it was capable. Imagine if it was just possible for two human beings in two separate places to record the same moment. Imagine with no issues with no with issues. no issues without constant reboots or of like hundred thousand dollar ISDN line <laughs> and without me having to have my fan off some sweating balls over here. Well, that's just good audio, and I'm not gonna apologize. That I'm not gonna apologize for. Having good audio is the most important thing. Everything else you can. I don't know. You're like cracking nuts right now in the background. What are you doing? Oh, actually, I was playing with my. Uh... Water bottle. I didn't even realize it was picking up. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could get like a VR headset with the microphone inside, and then I could do 
I could do whatever else I wanted and you wouldn't pick up. It would just be my voice. Such a fucking chucklehead. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, let's speed speed through your love and hate so that way uh, I can go to fucking sleep. (laughs) Um... I saw a short. I went to the Miami International Children's Film Festival over the weekend. Um, I saw I, that. That's awesome. I'm not weird. I have a kid. <laughs> What's that supposed to be? <laughs> they, 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 might have, they might have some good films at the Children's Film Festival. They did. They had some incredible ones. But you know what? If you don't have a kid, and you know, even in some cases, if you do, don't come. Just let <laughs> that just be for kids. Let that just be for sure. kids and normal people. That don't make me uncomfortable. Uh, anyway, this is like a love turning into like a hate really quickly. Um, <laughs> what I loved about the Miami International Children's Film Festival was not just the uh, kids flicks uh, hour of awesome shorts that they that they had put together, but a specific short called Waterpath for Fish, um, which was is a Spanish a Spanish short film that was just really beautiful, and I urge everybody to. Um, if it's coming to your local uh, International Children's Film Festival, is there a dragon in there with you? What is? <laughs> go see it's this. Sort of a dragon. It's go a see the, dog. Go see this. Uh, go see this. This. This short water path for a fish. Um, it's beautiful and it kind of focuses on the um, on lack of access. There's there's a, a you know a running side plot that has to do with a you know an impoverished. Uh, town it takes place in the in the setting of an impoverished town with a lack of access to water and then does some really whimsical and fun stuff with it so my hate has to do once again uh, has to do with criticism for my congresswoman Ileana Roslatenen who was the subject I don't know she's like so invisible never present never really around only goes to the same you know, 10 cocktail hours and, like, galas every year. And uh, this really congratulatory McClatchy article that was run in the Herald over the weekend um, that just, like, really burned me. And I was just... It just reminded me of how poorly represented people are here. And uh, it was just this final year profile because she... Again, despite what she says in this article, she can't stand Trump. She doesn't fit in with the current Republican uh, Party. Um, she is just as much of a ret- retrograde, terrible person, but just happens to be slightly less impolite about it. So she just is one of these people who is likes to paint herself as a more centrist person, but still wants terrible, terrible things for the American people. So... <laughs> Final year in Congress, Rose Leighton takes on Trump, immigration, and climate change. By the way, goes on to mention in the article that she does not actually take on Trump. She doesn't call him out by name and and come out of the uh, come come out swinging or anything like that. Um, isn't really doing anything on immigration. Has no ability to do anything on climate change. It's just this 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 McClatchy article. It's one of these like bullshit ass soft puff piece profiles that gloss over everything that this person has not done and focuses on 
just really cute little anecdotal. Oh, there's cafecito flowing in the uh, in her office, and everybody loves to see uh, Ileana come down the halls, um, cheerful, full of energy as she navigates her final year in Washington. We really need somebody better. I don't know what your guys' situation is in 2018 for Congress in, in, in your specific district, but like, like we got to make it a big focus. Banner number one on birdroadpodcast.com. This woman's out of there. We don't even need to focus on her. Here's who we vote for. And I don't even think we know that yet. So mm. that was my well, hate. Being there, reminded there that I'm a like lot of not represented. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right now there's sense. a lot here too. Right now, in this moment, yeah. there's a whole bunch. Maybe we could uh, have some of them on the show. I do know one. I do know yeah, one. I, I don't I, know how, I know how good his personally. chances are. Yeah. The shit about it here is like they keep bringing in... This is gonna sound bad, but I don't fucking care. They keep bringing in like, like thirty-five to forty-five-year-old white guys here mm. uh, to run as like very centrist, technocratic, kind of like these kind of guys who these these kind of candidates who um, sound like maybe they were endorsed by five thirty-eight, and you know. They're, they're like, I believe in numbers and metrics and science. And it's like, okay, good. But ye- everything, all of my proposals are on my website. And it's like, yeah, great. I mean, I'm sure they're really good ones too, but no, you're not, you're not getting anybody elected. Like Ossoff in, uh, in Georgia, that guy, like you're not getting elected. You're, right, you're, right. you're, you're the wrong guy here. You're the wrong guy. Donald Trump would do better than you here. And, and it, it's, the problem is that some of the, some of the candidates that are, that are being pushed forward here and I, I haven't really figured out who's being um who's kind of the front runner for the for the dnc who the dnc wants but right. it's gonna be somebody like like ossoff do you remember ossoff i don't know if you really paid attention to that race or not in georgia no. six georgia six district was the um the runoff earlier this year to replace tom price who was named to trump's cabinet and uh they put this really young guy the dnc put this really young guy named um uh, John Ossoff, who, you know, he had like all the right makings, all the right marks, all the right uh, pedigree for a DNC candidate, like one of those very safe, fastball down the middle type candidates. And um, yeah, he still lost. He still lost to a, 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 a terrible woman who's, again, just another retrograde, awful fucking garbage monster. That's not, that's. Like it's so uninspiring. Garbage monsters at least inspire fear. At least they inspire something. It's better than feeling nothing. And right. uh, so yeah, that's that's what we're getting down here. And this fucking article just reminded me of it. We had a do nothing Republican. You know, look, Hillary won my congressional district by nineteen points, and we have a Republican. How is that possible? <laughs> How is this? How are we being represented by a Republican when Hillary won my district by 19 points? It's insane. This woman didn't even squeak by. She won by 10 points the last time she had a decent challenger. And I mean, she's old school GOP. Like she's been around forever and she's connected, but she's a little kind of out in the out in the wild right now because it looks like she's probably going to lose. Well, she would have lost if she stayed on. And any any Republican that that pops up is probably going to lose too. Um, I'm just like, I don't know. Whatever comes in their place is not going to be that great either. 
Uh, it's not going to be somebody who's really focused on the shit that that really, really poor people in this county actually need because this is one mm-hmm. of the poorest counties that there is. Uh, my this being Miami Dade. Um, so yeah, man. There's that well, hate. Since since, for that since you brought it since you brought it back down, I want to add a uh, second hate. Oh shit. Yeah. No? Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Is leaving Netflix in December. Why? What? I know. Netflix keeps losing shows. I, they're putting all their money towards original programming, so they must be letting all these other contracts run out, I guess. And, uh, yeah. What do you the, think of the whole terrible. Netflix streaming, um, the situation with the uh, where Nielsen is trying to uh, gauge Netflix? So you, th- you think that that shit is uh, accurate or not? Because Netflix's big thing that they try to guard is their is their viewership. And their, right. their total numbers, right? Yeah, I don't know all the details of what of this story, but yeah, I know Netflix is very secretive of that, and uh, you know, I'm not even quite sure how they would really check that. Well, it's easy. I mean, like <laughs> in know? theory, no, it's it, in theory it would be easy. Um, the only uh, the way that those I, Nielsen boxes work, I mean, you, you're keeping those. I think it's either the box or in the notebook, but you're. I mean, it, it, it's just measuring what it is that's on your television. So Sure, yeah. Like, but you would it, be it, able to, in, in theory, just be like, oh, I watched, you know, a basketball game from 8 o'clock until 11 o'clock, and then at 11 o'clock I put on Netflix and watched that for one like hour. It just seems like be a little more – it seems like with all the different um, devices that you can be streaming on and as well as sharing accounts and all that kind of stuff, it just seems like it would complicate things more than one TV, one box, you know, um, that's why I think it would be a little more, uh, confusing, but I don't think they want anybody to know too, because I mean, that's part of their whole model. It seems is, uh, you know, some kind of secrecy to what people are actually watching and when, because it seems like, uh, original programming is their real push. It doesn't really seem like they care about the old model anymore. Here's my thing about that, and I wonder about that. I think back to around 2011 when Elon Musk made a lot of his patents uh, open publicly, and mm-hmm. what he the reason he did that uh, was because he didn't want to just be building the only electric car. He wanted competition because without competition, mm-hmm. the world was never the infrastructure was never going to bend to allow for the for just Tesla to exist. Right. There needed right. to be three, four, five, six automakers that were doing the same thing. So he was like, please come compete with me. I want you to compete with me because otherwise I'm never going to achieve a critical mass. And I, I, I feel that way about Netflix and Hulu and a lot of these a lot of these streaming providers because I wonder how long they have in them to be secretive like this before they all have to get together and be like, guys, we got to start being able to judge ourselves and judge each other. Or I guess maybe they never will have to do that if the, if the revenue stays absolute and people are just paying for subscriptions. They'll never need to do that. I feel like there's going to be a point where Netflix is going to want to know how are we doing relative to Hulu? How are we doing relative to Amazon Prime? Like, and, and vice versa, too. I just don't know what the mechanism will be that forces them. And they sure do seem prickly whenever... Uh, whenever Nielsen tries to take a stab at whatever their ratings are. They, they always say that they're wrong. They make a big point of saying that, that Nielsen is wrong. 
specifically Nielsen categorizing um, Stranger Things Season 2 as a major viewing event and then I think estimating, I'm just pulling this off the top of my head, but I think about 3.4 million views in the first 24 hours, they 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 discounted that. They said that that was wrong. They they being um, Netflix, so they definitely seem really prickly to the idea of 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 being measured like that. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think that they uh, they want that at all. I think they they want to keep operating same as they have been and just keep uh, you know moving towards that original content as their main thing. And uh, not really looking at that, or not really sharing it, at least. All right, so let's um, let's jump into our our, our plugs. I think we should plug our sure. Twitter handles yeah, so that sure. people can follow at Bird Road Podcast at sure. David at David underscore Quinones at by David Rosen. Music. There you go. Well, at no. by David Rosen. Yes, there you go. Um, we launched on Instagram just now while i was waiting for you oh, <laughs> that was nice. our, so we're at bird road podcast also on instagram like i said before you follow can, that follow that follow that and then laugh um, so what well, i don't know i'm trying to like come up with different identities for each of these accounts i don't want to just like cross post shit and i'm thinking mm-hmm. the instagram maybe will be for when we're recording and shit i don't know like maybe like real life kind of pictures and stuff like that add to the story um and then like maybe twitter will be like snarky political commentary and then like maybe Get, fo- getting in fights getting in fights i got in the fight from my personal account the bird road podcast has like no followers yet or anything it has no has no momentum no forward thrust to it yet uh <laughs> fight i got into was definitely yeah on my own personal account um don't forget we're on SoundCloud. Y'all, we got to beat this fucking clown in downloads and plays on iTunes. You got to download <laughs> us. You got to rate us. You got to review us. Yeah, let's and... let's leave everybody with that. Make sure you go leave us a review and subscribe, especially on iTunes. So that way you can keep us up in those uh, rankings. Oh, I just got um... followed by Music Composer. That's a person that just followed me. And then in parentheses it says by David Rosen. Oh, damn, that's that's me. That's me. Fucking choke. Grow a mustache the size of Mike Dicker's forehead. Hair comb to the side, looking like a piece of foam. Buick speakers, red cooler. 85 bear zubas, polar sauces, browers. Walking like my cockers. Stacy Adams, no shirt. Jewels to get a case of squirt. Wife's pissed because I forgot to get the minute rice. So I'm back in the damn Buick to get a stinking bag of ice. To get a stinking bag of rice. My wife Jules is cute. Her taste really moved me like I ate juicy fruit. Had me dancing like Chris Penn and Footloose. 85-